The following broadcast is released under a Creative Commons license. I believe in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. I believe He lived and died, and that He rose again. I believe and trust in Him. Ascended into hell, Christ our living head will one day come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe and trust in Him. I will trust in my Redeemer, sing of His love. That lasts forever Though His hope and sure salvation I will trust in Him Though the world falls around me I rest and know that He has found me Christ the rock is my Welcome all to Pastor Yeshua. You've been listening to Creed by Richard Jensen from his album, Order of Service. By way of introduction, pastor is an acrostic which stands for preaching all salvation through one Redeemer. Our Redeemer, Yeshua, Jesus, is the Hebrew name for the Lord. It means Yahweh, the Lord, is salvation. Translated from Hebrew into the Greek language, the name Yeshua becomes Jesus. The English transliteration for Jesus is Jesus. This program deals with apologetics, questions on and about God, the Bible, and the Christian faith. I take questions and seek by Scripture to give answers and encouragement for everyone, including the tough-minded living in today's skeptical society. And now, let's join Pastor Yeshua. Welcome to Pastor Yeshua, and greetings! As most of you know who have been listening for any length of time, my mission, as with all true Christians, is to lift up the name of Christ and to glorify Him as God. In this endeavor, it is critical that anyone who does so remains faithful to completely and accurately depicting Jesus the Christ in all of his nature, character, and attributes as revealed according to the full counsel of God's Word, the Bible. From the beginning of time, the first and greatest danger was and remains deception. From the outset, the enemy, Satan, has used subtle deception to cause the break in fellowship between God and man. This is not to say that outright and completely opposite lies are not part of the strategy to deceive us. Rather, it is to say that it is easier to fall for deceit 
when the deceit is carefully packaged and disguised to look as much like the truth as is possible, but with the core of fraud remaining, albeit hidden. From Genesis 3 until Revelation 22, it must be understood that while God is reconciling his elect to himself throughout history, that Satan uses every strategy, including using a counterfeit gospel and or a counterfeit Jesus, to deceive the unwary. The tactic of successfully using a counterfeit Jesus to deceive people depends upon several things. Firstly, it depends upon highlighting and focusing on those aspects of Jesus which are palatable and appealing to an unregenerate world. Secondly, it depends upon ignoring or denying those aspects of Jesus which are offensive and objectionable to an unregenerate world. Finally, thirdly, it depends upon redefining or reinterpreting those aspects of Jesus which are necessary in order to achieve one or more of the above stated goals. Now, the fact that this is true and that we should not be surprised by it was predicted by Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 5. Quote, And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. The same warning is echoed in Matthew chapter 24, verses 23 and 24, Mark chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, Mark chapter 13, verses 21 and 22, and Luke chapter 21, verse 8. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8 says, quote, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ, unquote. So, there's really no question that there will be those persons or groups throughout history who either consciously or unconsciously attempt to deceive people into believing, trusting, or following a false Christ, i.e. Jesus, and or substituting popular traditions, worldly philosophies, or fleshly and secular ideas as a way of salvation or ushering in a man-made utopia. Consequently, as God's church, the outcalled ones, we are given orders to be salt and light against a dying and decaying world. According to Jude chapter 1, verse 3, our mission objective as discerning Berean followers of Christ is to, quote, contend earnestly for the faith that was once and for all time handed down to the saints, unquote. Recently, a campaign which presents just such a deception has come to my attention. This campaign, entitled 
quote, he gets us, unquote, which recently began early in 2022 as a war chest funding of $100 million dedicated to rebranding, reinterpreting, and using market strategy to paint Jesus according to the seeker-sensitive model as a social justice warrior whose only character attribute is love for everyone and everything, and only passing judgment and anger against those who refuse to accept his supposed mandate of inclusion, tolerance, acceptance, and, of course, undefined love. Here in this episode and the episodes to follow, I intend to discuss the various videos, literature, articles, and statements presented by the campaign and to examine them with Berean discernment according to the whole of God's Word, the Bible, to determine the legitimacy and accuracy of them. Now, first of all, while titles don't necessarily tell us everything, they do go a long way to give us forewarning as to the overall theme. In this case, quote, he gets us, unquote, which for the sake of brevity, or I suppose creating a logo, sometimes appears as simply, quote unquote, us. For me, this is significant because I have oft stated that one's philosophical starting point and priori bias for looking at the meaning of life may be ultimately boiled down to two options. One, God is the ultimate authority for meaning, morals, truth, beauty, significance, and reality. Or, two, Man is the ultimate authority for meaning, morals, truth, beauty, significance, and reality. This being stated, the use of the pronoun, quote-unquote, us, as the title and or the logo for a campaign clearly tips its hand that at the outset, man is the focus subject matter and final concern when it comes to this campaign. Every video has the title, quote, he gets us, unquote. And in several of the videos, the phrase, quote, he gets us, unquote, is joined with the words, quote, all of us, unquote. Well, if words have meanings, then the message here is that Jesus understands, sympathizes, empathizes, can relate to all, as in every single human being who has ever lived, because whatever issue that any human being could conceivably have or be going through, Jesus understands and relates to it because he personally experienced everything and anything we can possibly imagine, right? Well, if we are supposed to believe that Jesus understands and relates to us because we commit sin, then the main thing that Jesus gets is that we are sinners and he is not. 
In fact, the reality is that Jesus himself sets the record straight, saying that not only does he not get everyone, that is all, but in fact there will be many that he does not even know. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23, Jesus speaking, we read, quote, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name hath cast, have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? And I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity." Unquote. So let's set the record straight here right now. Jesus the Christ is God. He is the second person of the Trinity. Because of the fall and the existence of sin in everyone's life, God, the Son, volunteered to become flesh in the person of Jesus. At this point, Scripture makes it clear that Jesus is 100% fully God and at the same time is 100% fully man. As God, Jesus has the full knowledge of the existence, nature, and effects of all sin. As a man, Scripture states that Jesus, in his humanity, was tempted in all ways, as we are, but he was and is without any sin. While we all know what it is like to sin and to disappoint God as a result, Jesus does not, because he never has and never will disappoint God, because he is God, and God does not sin. More importantly, Scripture makes it clear that while all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, there will ultimately be few, comparatively, who God will sovereignly choose to elect to salvation. This is why Jesus makes the above statement in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23. So, while it may be possible to say that since Jesus as God has omniscient understanding of all things and all people at all times, and as such he may euphemistically be said to quote-unquote get us, the crucial matter is no matter how profoundly Jesus may quote-unquote get us, Unless God, i.e. Jesus, calls us to a saving relationship with himself, we will remain in our sins, and, in the, end, and the end result is that Jesus will profess unto us, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You see, properly understood, Jesus, quote-unquote, getting us, is really only applicable and 
useful when it comes to the process of sanctification in the life of one who is already a sincere, born from above, child of God in Christ. Said in the negative, if we are not sincere, born from above, children of God in Christ, then Jesus can quote-unquote get us all day long in every nuance, unspoken word and thought, and we will still be separated from him for all of eternity due to our sin. However, if so be that by God's grace I am called to repentance and am sincerely in Christ, then not only does he, i.e. Jesus, quote-unquote, get me, but more importantly, he makes me a new creation, and the old nature that, quote-unquote, he gets, is buried with Christ, then the only thing God sees as he looks at me is Jesus, in whom God is well pleased. In conclusion, the phrase, quote, he gets us, unquote, is a marketing strategy title intended to make Jesus more likable, more palatable, and more relatable to a secular, unregenerate world. But perhaps we should be charitable about the title since it is possible to pick titles for things which don't do justice to the overall message. To be fair, we should hear out the entire message before we decide. So, in an effort to be fair, I watched all the videos I could find and read all the articles which accompany each on the He Gets Us website. In each case, I applied proper biblical, exegetical, and hermeneutical principles, along with discernment, to see how each represents the entirety of Jesus' attributes and nature. In the episodes to follow, I intend to examine each video and or article to see how the message portrayed compares to the message that the Bible reveals about Jesus. As a disclaimer, some of the videos may differ from the actual website compared to, say, YouTube, etc. Also, it appears that the author or authors of this campaign may be editing the material as time continues. So, understand that I have made every effort to make my comments accurate based upon the videos and articles present at the time of this research. But some difference may appear as time and editing occur. Let's go ahead and begin. First up, we have, What would Jesus think of teenage moms? Alternately entitled, The Birth. This video, like most of the videos, is a short video filmed in black and white, lasting about one minute. And again, like most of the videos, it is scored with soft, sentimental music. The written description on the website 
proudly boasts that they have used a teen mom to read the voiceover. The description asks the following questions. Quote, what new perspective could we bring to a 2,000-year-old story that would stir people's hearts and minds? Unquote. Quote, Jesus didn't just appear out of nowhere. His life was not some fairy tale. It was very real. His first few minutes in this world looked like anyone else's crying in the arms of his mom, his teen mom, unquote. Okay, let's put this aside for a moment and see what the video is about. In this case, in order to fully expose the issue, I carefully transcribed the dialogue from the video posted as of November 5th, 2022. It reads as follows. Quote, a young girl had a boyfriend. She got pregnant. She was scared. How could she face her parents? What would they say? Can't hide something like that forever. Her parents asked who the father was. They assumed her boyfriend. But maybe it wasn't his. He loved her so much he offered to raise the child with her. They married and got a small place. They had very little money and no insurance. One evening, her water broke. There wasn't time to get help. He delivered the child. Let's stop here. So, originally, the title was... Quote, what would Jesus think of teenage moms, unquote. In the website description, we are told that instead of looking directly at Jesus, we would be looking at the woman who gave birth to Jesus. Now, just to be historically clear, Jesus' mother was Mary. But what happens when we watch the video? Well... When we watch the video and listen to the dialogue, we soon discover that while there may be some similarities between the video and Mary with the birth of Jesus, there are other important details which bear a very different answer to the question posed, what would Jesus think of teenage moms as it pertains to this video? To begin with... While the teenage girl in this story had a quote-unquote boyfriend, Mary, on the other hand, was legally married to her husband, Joseph. Uh, hello? Even using the scripture references cited on the website of Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, we read, quote, And her husband, uh, what word was that again? Husband? Yes, husband. Her husband, Joseph. Joseph, since he was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly, unquote. Secondly, uh, and just biblically speaking, uh, 
The teenage girl in our story got pregnant due to having premarital sexual intercourse. In other words, she broke the Mosaic law and sinned against God by engaging in fornication or sexual immorality. Now, I'm sorry, but this can in no way be compared to Mary, who became pregnant due to the miraculous act of an immaculate conception through the act of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, the story, the video, goes on to say that the teenage girl's parents assume that the baby's father is the girl's boyfriend. Quote, but maybe it wasn't his, unquote. Well, based upon this, we can only logically assume that there is more than one potential father who is engaged in sexual intercourse with this teenage mother. This, again, bears absolutely no semblance to Mary and Jesus. Mary had never had any sexual intercourse prior to becoming pregnant with Jesus. Mary was a virgin. Mary herself knew she was a virgin, and in Scripture, she questions God in prayer, asking how it is possible she is pregnant since she has never known any man sexually. Certainly, Mary is not questioning which boyfriend is, in fact, the father of Jesus. So, the story continues, and after the teenage mother gives birth, they find out that they had little money and no insurance. Well, we are never told how much money Mary and Joseph had, but we do know that nobody had insurance in the first century. In any case, in the end, before the video and dialogue ends, we are under the impression that we are talking about a teenage girl who is engaged in premarital sex with one, or possibly more than one, boyfriend, and has become pregnant. The couple decide to get married and live in poverty without insurance, and unexpectedly, one evening, the mother's water breaks, and because there is no time, the father delivers the baby. At this point, frankly, we're feeling a little sad, disappointed, and we're feeling sympathy for the two people who have made a series of arguably poor choices which are all too often the reality of all humans who sin. However, in this video, the story is not finished. Right after the mother's water breaks in this video, the uh, father delivers the baby and the video story ends with these six words, quote, and laid him in a manger, unquote. Wait, what? Let's say that again. Blasphemy, heresy, penalty, forfeit argument. Yes, you heard it correctly. In this story, the baby that was birthed by this teenage mother was in fact supposedly Jesus. Thus, tracing the sad story backwards, according to He Gets Us, Jesus is a product of a teenage mother, i.e. Mary, who engaged in premarital intercourse with her boyfriend, presumably Joseph, although according to the story there may have been others. Uh, could someone... Anyone, please, explain to me 
how this video is not blasphemy and heresy. If this story is true, which thankfully it is not, then Jesus is the son of a human, not God. If Jesus is not God, then he has no deity and no power to raise from the dead or forgive sins. If this is true, then the entire gospel, and indeed the entire Bible, collapses as a fraud. If this is the case, then what difference does it make whether or not, quote, he, i.e. Jesus, gets any of us, unquote? Unless Jesus is very God, then Jesus getting us is a pointless, fruitless, worthless bumper sticker with no more value than any other finite, sinful, flawed human getting us. Returning to the original question and title of the video, quote, what would Jesus think of teenage moms, unquote. We see that the character of this video and its dialogue are clearly intended to make it seem that the birth of Jesus by Mary is no different than the story of countless hundreds, even thousands of teenage girls who engage in premarital sex daily, which may or may not result in a child. Therefore, if we apply this heretical model and ask Jesus, he would supposedly look back at his own situation and say, ah, hey, we all make mistakes, it's all good. But the fact of the matter is that when we read the entirety of the Bible, Jesus, who is God, has spoken very clearly through Scripture to answer this question. First of all, the issue of being a teenager, i.e. someone between 13 and 18 being a parent, i.e. the mother or father of a child, is somewhat of a subcategory question. When we talk about age, the relevant biblical issue is that of maturity. Thus, in general, I don't think that Jesus or anyone else would recommend that immature people become parents who are responsible for themselves, their spouse, and or the life and well-being of a child. In the larger picture, the main issue, if we're going to include Jesus, who is God, is whether the respective parents, first and foremost, have a relationship with Jesus. You see, Jesus' first priority is not a preoccupation with whether you are a teenage mom or dad. Jesus' first priority is to glorify his Father and to reconcile those who are his elect children to himself and the Father. In order to reconcile his elect, Christ volunteered to take our sins upon himself so that those who are his elect might, in God's sovereign timing, be called to repentance and justification having Christ's righteousness imputed to their account by faith through grace. So, if there is a teenage girl who has sinned and become pregnant by having premarital intercourse, 
then if and when that girl or woman is called to sincere repentance by God, then Jesus sees this girl slash woman not as a teenage mother, but instead he sees his son Christ completely clothing his adopted daughter who is a child of God. Conversely, apart from Christ in a relationship with him, God's wrath abides on all who have fallen short, who rebel, and who have sinned against him. In conclusion, this video and its comments ask, quote, What new perspective could we bring to a 2,000-year-old story that would stir people's hearts and minds, unquote? Apparently, the new perspective is an age-old perspective that being in sin is okay if it pulls our heartstrings. The new perspective is that we can feel better about our sin and our poor choices by dragging Jesus down to the same fallen level of man. After all, we are told by He Gets Us that, quote, His, i.e. Jesus's, first few minutes in this world look like anyone else's, crying in the arms of his mom, his teen mom, unquote. Well, yes, if we take an isolated snapshot and present them out of context, they do. The problem is that when we do, we get a wrong picture and presentation of the magnificent, holy, and awesome story of God who became man and who is 100% without sin. We, in fact, abandon a virgin birth of Jesus for a tawdry affair of lust painted over later by the necessity of marriage, which looks nothing like the reality of Jesus' birth presented by the Bible. This is just one of many videos and dialogue memes presented by He Gets Us, which we will be looking at and discussing. For the time being, this concludes this episode. Please join me for the next. Now, if you have any questions about God, the Bible, or the Christian faith, I encourage you to send me an email at pastor underscore Yeshua at yahoo.com. That's P-A-S-T-O-R underscore Y-E-S-H-U-A at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. Oh, oh.